So hello and welcome back to the bi-weekly lecture series with Reb T, the show where we talk a topic per session with some practical lessons. The shear is for the continued refuah shalem of Sarah Otto Baschan Aleya, as well as for the refuah shalem of those sick with coronavirus or other ailments. We're going to share the screen with you now so you could see what I see. All my shiurim are available at shiurenjoyment.com, pending fixing of the website, slash shiurim. Slashy Urim Reb T. Shout out to Jake W. of Sheer Enjoyment. Hopefully he'll make it soon for all of his help and his hard work. To contact me, we now have an email address. Feel free to email me at RebT at SheerEnjoyment.com. Finally, have an email address. Questions, comments, suggestions are always welcome at this new email. The sources are from Safaria, unless noted otherwise. And new for this time, we have what's called the PTC, the point to carry over. You know, I love my acronyms. I love my symbols and different letters for all the different shows we do. So for this show also, the text points that have the arrows, the underlines, the bold and the italics, those are the points we want you to carry over to take away with you. To take away from the shear, they will be numbered, and Amir Tashem will review them at the end. So, have you ever felt that Hashem was guiding you to an exact moment in an exact spot or an exact place? Have you ever felt that things just happened to fall into place perfectly? Did you ever have the feeling that something this feels right, especially right now? This is the feeling of Hashem guiding us and in being involved in our lives. If we look around, we think about it, we can see Hashem everywhere if we try to find Him. If we search for Him, we will locate Him wherever we turn. The popular song by Uncle Moishi goes, Hashem is here, Hashem is there. Hashem is truly everywhere. Up, down, right, left, all around. Here, there, everywhere, that's where he can be found. I'll give you a nickel if you could get this song out of your head by tomorrow. It'll probably be stuck in your head now also. This indicates we should search for and look for Hashem, and then we will see Him everywhere. Society uses crazy terms like Mother Nature, weather, and the like, but it's all nonsense. Really, everything is from Hashem. All is ordained and controlled by Hashem. Many times, we only see Hashem's hand when we look and see large miracles, but really everything is from Hashem. Miracles big and small in all aspects of life. Nowadays, too much effort Credit is given to man and people pat themselves on the back for their own work, quote-unquote, and great jobs. Way too much. Not enough gratitude, not enough thanks is given to Hashem. He's the only one that should really be getting the credit and the shout-outs. I believe society suffers from the Kochem Ve'etzim Yadi syndrome. Kochi Ve'etzim Yadi. From Devarim 817, You say to yourselves, my own power, the might of my own hand have won me this wealth. It's not you, it's Hashem. This is where many in society believe and think, literally think that everything they have come about was because of their own sweat and tears, because of their own toil, their own hard work, without achieving anything to Hashem. Think about a simple example in your own life, for me for sure. The day, every day you start your day when, when Corona times are not with us, when you go and you train and it always comes at 7.18, but today you're late by three minutes. Somehow, magically, the train is delayed for five minutes and you could catch it. 
What about if you magically had an, exactly enough money in your bank account to pay off the debt you had today? It ain't magic, it's all Hashem guiding every aspect of our lives. Can you think of any examples in your own life? Think about your day, try to find three instances and write them down to make a Hashgacha journal. You'll be amazed at how many you'll think of and how big the journal will become. Aish explains the wonderful Aish.com, God's way, God's way of saving hello, saying hello, waving to us, are what are the quote-unquote coincidences. When we experience a quote-unquote coincidence, Hashem is, so to speak, going out of His way to make it known to us how present He is in our lives. In Torah, this is what we call an Ace Ratzon, a favorable moment. But if we translate the Hebrew literally, it's even more powerful. It means a time of desire, a time when Hashem is expressing His longing for us. During these moments, our sages teach us the gates of heaven are open to our prayers. So that's something we can do the next time a quote-unquote coincidence happens. Even in our own life, in our house, we have seen clear, simple examples of Hashem orchestrating our life, even with small items that somehow, quote-unquote, fit perfectly, such as the couch from my aunt that perfectly fits in the living room, an inflatable bounce house we just got that's exactly the right size, or a table being made into a desk up here in the attic with just the right dimensions. Hashem literally orchestrates everything exactly to the T. Interestingly, on Shavuos, I realized something else that was interesting also. My wife's school decided to split up the entire Tehillim, which has many prakim. A teacher handed her randomly three prakim out of the whole Tehillim, and somehow they magically, quote-unquote, happened to correspond exactly with the three daf to learn for daf yomi over Shavuos. She had prakim 83. She had prakim 84. And she had prakim 85. Those three prakim are the exact three dothim of Shavuos, 83, 84, 85. Coincidence? I think not. Great examples from Ish.com. I is the narrator, not me, but going to use it in third person. David, David was involved in the Second World War. He was a prisoner in one of the concentration camps. He strongly felt the unseen hand of God leading him and directing his every move. A frightful episode occurred when David left his barracks briefly in order to David Mincha behind a tank standing outside. He returned to a dreadfully eerie silence. Gradually, his mind registered the appalling sight, greeting his shocked eyes. As comprehension set in, his entire body gave way to violent trembling when he realized that every one of his fellow inmates, Lowell Lena, was lying dead before him. The Nazis, it seemed, had paid them a visit while he was outside conversing with Hashem. Literally, Mincha saved his life. Another Friday night, another person explains he was in shul and his mind wandered for a bit. He realized this was the anniversary of keeping Shabbos for the first time. In fact, it was exactly 20 years ago to the day. He wondered how many Shabbos that was. So he did the math, he multiplied 20 years times 52 weeks, arrived at 1040 Shabbos, 1040 Shabbos. Then he realized something that made his whole mind spin. That same week he started a new job, and the address of that job was 1040 North Los Palmas Avenue. Crazy. Not a coincidence. Hashem pointing it out. One of my favorite commentators, this author explains, is Rabbi Yitzchak Aizikhaver, a tremendous Torah scholar, Kabbalist from the 19th century, from the school of the Vilna Gon. The book of his that he was studying was called Or Torah, the Light of Torah. When he learned that he also written a Gadata, one of my favorite parts of the Talmud, which are stories and lessons, wonderful, awesome things from the Talmud, he ordered that too. When he books 
came to him, he was overwhelmed with emotion. He sat in his favorite chair. He brought the books to his heart and he hugged them. At that moment, the phone rang and his daughter ran in to tell him that someone was calling for him. Who's calling me? He asked. Or Torah, she said. What? Or Torah? There's a shul in his community called Torah Or, but the caller ID on his phone switched it. So the screen read Or Torah. So the screen read Or Torah, the name of the rabbi whose books he happened to be hugging at that moment. Coincidence? We think not. Everything is orchestrated by Hashem. Every little event is magically co- coagulated and magically set aside and magically made into such a thing because of Hashem's presence. Hashem makes it that different things happen in your life for specific reasons. Look at these amazing quotes I found on divine providence and miracles. David Ben-Gurion explains, a Jew who does not believe in miracles is not a realist. To be a realist, you realize that miracles are all around us. Miracles are what make up our life. Albert Einstein, the great Einstein, explained there are two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle. The other is as though everything is a miracle. That's the way to look at life. Svi Freeman explains, open your eyes and you will see a world of miracles. The Katskarebi explains, whoever does not see God everywhere, does not see God anywhere. You look and you see, you find Hashem, you could easily find Him in every aspect of the world, in every aspect of your life. Yonatan Ibschitz explains, every day many a miracle happens to the sons of Israel, where not because of God's miracles we would, God forbid, have perished a long, long time ago. Eli Wiesel, the famous author who lived through the World War II, in Jewish history, there are no coincidences. Everything is from Hashem. And Simple to Remember points out, there is a famous story in which the Kaiser asked Bismarck, can you prove the existence of God? Bismarck replies, the Jews, your majesty, the Jews. Just the fact that we're Jewish with our history, we'll look at a source in a bit, proves the idea of miracles from Hashem. Now we're going to look at some sources about divine providence and weave in Wonderful different aspects around Tanakh and around the Gemara and around different wonderful sources. So we first start out with Jewish Learning. My JewishLearning.com points out there are two types of Hashkacha. Hashkacha Klalis and Hashkacha Pratis. Hashkacha Klalis is the general providence. Hashem caring for the world in general and for the species in general. But then there's Hashkacha Pratis, special providence. Hashem taking care of each individual. As the Talmud explains... Hashem feeds the whole world from the horned buffalo to the brood of vermin that comes from Avodah Zarah. And Rabbi Hanina also points out in Chulin, no man bruises his finger here on earth unless it was so degreed against him from on high. That comes from Chulin. And later on we'll point out also even a blade of grass won't grow unless Hashem says that it will grow. In Ashkenaz Siddur there's a wonderful thing after davening. There's the Sheish Zacharos, the six things you're supposed to remember every day. And then there's the 13 principles of faith based on the formulation of the Rambam that you're also supposed to say every day. Fantastic stuff. The first one, the fundamental one, Ani Ma'amin Be'emunah Shalema Shehabore Yisborach Shemo Hu Levado. The nature is that there's a belief in God, His existence. I believe with complete faith that the Creator, blessed is His name, creates and guides all creature. He creates and guides all creatures. And He will make 
and had made and will make everything on earth. There's no partnership in creation. The notes explain Hashem is the sole one. Hashem makes everything exist. Even if everything didn't exist, of course Hashem would exist. He was the first and He will be the last. It is inconceivable that there could be anything except for Him. Pirkei Avos, my favorite sefer, points out everything is seen from Hashem. Everything is known by Hashem. Hashem knows everything that will happen, yet you still have the choice of what to do. The world is judged with goodness. Everything is in accordance with the works of what you do. Pergavus points out elsewhere, you don't want to sin? Think about three things. Know that there's something above you. Know Hashem is above you. He sees everything. He hears everything. And He writes down everything in your life. And in Devarim, Hashem tells us all He wants from us is to fear Him, to go in His ways, to love Him and serve Him with His whole, with your whole heart and your whole soul. Because Hashem creates everything. Hashem makes everything happen. If you walk in His ways, He can make even more for you. The famous Gemara in Brachos, Rabbi Hanina says, HaKol Bidei Shemayim Chutz Mi Yira Shemayim. As the Pasuk points out, Rabbi Hanina said, Everything is in the hands of Hashem except for fear of heaven. And what does Rashi point out? HaKol Bidei Shemayim Chutz Mi Yira Shemayim, which is also from this Gemara. And then he points out that everything is in the hands of God except for the fear of God. You can do sins. Hashem will let you do it because Hashem lets you go in the way you want to go. We'll look at it a little, little later. Later, but realize that Hashem is making everything happen. That's the point to carry over number one. Hashem isn't only concerned with big events or big quote-unquote important people. Everyone is important. Hashem is involved with each and every person. Deals with every little thing, even seemingly trivial. Now this Gemara, fascinating from Moed Katan. Rav Chista and Rabba were both very holy individuals, both very holy sages, very, very smart sages, very wise sages, tremendous sages in the Talmud, but both had lives that looked very, very different. There are very different lives that they had. Rav Chista lived for 92 years, but Rabba lived for 40 years. Rav Chista's house had 60 wedding feasts. Rabba's house had 60 calamities. Lo Elena, we shouldn't know from such things. In the house of Rav Chista, there was always bread for the finest flour, even for dogs. There was so much food. In Rabba's house, there was coarse barley bread, even for people, and it wasn't even sufficient quantities. What do we see from this? That everything, you can have the, you can have the ability to be involved in something. You could have the ability to have a wonderful life, but Hashem decides what it is. You could have two great sages. You could have two people who who learn so much, two people that are involved with so much, but Hashem decides what it is. The point to carry over number two. Hashem gives you exactly what you need. If He wanted you to have a mansion, you would have a mansion. Pirkeus teaches us we have to be happy with our lot because that is exactly what is right for you decreed by Hashem. Now the Rambam, we have a, lift, a lot of sources here from the Rambam. He points out wonderful things. What the point is from the Rambam is that we have to realize you free your thoughts from the worldly matters and know that the knowledge of Hashem is the right thing and you rejoice in that knowledge. Realize nothing bad could happen to you when you're with Hashem and Hashem is with you. When you meditate Hashem on Hashem, you realize what He does for you, then He won't be separated from you. He'll come to you and He'll protect you as much as you realize about Him. 
Moshe realized the obstinacy of Paro wasn't natural. Hamikdover points out Hashem made it in a way to make his heart harden because he wanted to prove that it's all divine providence. Hashem put Paro in such a way, as we'll look at in a little bit, to purposely show this miracles to the whole world to prove divine providence. The Kliyakar points out in Vayikra also that the time at the time the Torah was given, the nations didn't even believe in the possibility of divine providence. They thought whatever was done in the world was done out of necessity, not out of choice. The idea of the Big Bang craziness where people don't realize it comes from Hashem and science, they try to explain it without really understanding where it comes from. They didn't think it was out of choice, but the Torah wished to strengthen the concept of divine hashgacha, human free choice, as stimulating the possibility of hashgacha as a cornerstone of Jewish belief. Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar points out when a person knows that Hashem keeps track of him and follows him and wants to help him just like he did by Avraham and has constant supervision by Hashem, then he will have the safety and understanding. He'll feel the security that Hashem is taking care of him. And the Sefer HaChidach points out, from the commandment that we put our hearts, that the providence of Hashem will take care of us. He puts His providence on all of us, on all of His creatures, especially with the humans individually. That brings us to point to carry over number three. It's fundamental that Hashem watches out for us in every day, everything we do. The more we see Him, the more we feel Him. The more we see Him again, the more we will feel Him. And 3B over here points to carry over. We all have a divine spark, a pintalayin, and a tselaminakim in all of us. By definition, if we are alive, that means we are important and worthy of being around, that there is something we need to do. If we didn't do that, that's why we're still here. Hopefully we're given 120 years, but by definition, even if you feel lost in our crazy times, even if you feel, what am I doing here? What is my mission? What, am I, what is my passion? What am I supposed to do? Why is Hashem doing this? Hashem leaves you alive. Hashem lets you be alive. Hashem brings you around the pintle of Yid that Salomon because there's a mission that Hashem wants us to do. You find your purpose. We mention on all my shows often. You find your mission and Hashem will guide you. Hashem will lead you when you find it. I don't remember where I heard this or saw this, but there's a fantastic story of Rabbi Salomon. Rabbi Salomon was one of the founders, the fathers of the Musar movement about looking into yourself, working on yourself, and finding out how you could be the best person you could be. He was a great rabbi and a father of this movement. One time, Rev Salantra was walking around very late at night, probably, presumably, after learning a very long night. As he was walking in the street, he saw a small house with a candle burning in the window at 2 o'clock in the morning. What is this person doing? Why is there a candle at 2 in the morning? Rav Salantra was astonished as to why a person would be working so late at night. You have to make money at 2 in the morning? So he approached the blacksmith and asked him why he was working so late. The worker responded, as long as the candle is still burning, there is still work that could be done. As long as the candle is around, there's still much that I can do. Rav Salanter immediately took this as a muster for life, that as long as the candle of life is still burning within us, Alive in our souls and neshamas, there is still work that can be done. A beautiful, beautiful point that we should take with us everywhere we go. Hashem gives you life and purpose. You should use it all the time you are here on this earth to do as much good as you can. Eov, we talk about Eov a lot. What a tremendously difficult life Eov had. Lost so much, so much affliction. If it's an allegory, then it's an allegory. But it, according to many opinions, it was a real person. Different points of history, they all argue when he lived. If not, but he understood that 
even though Hashem did this, Hashem was the one that controls everything. In His hand is every living soul, and the breath of all mankind, the hand of Hashem, is on all of us. Akedas Yitzchak points out that the whole point of Harsina was to understand Hashkacha Pratis. Anochi, I am Hashem. Hashem says, I am the only one. Lo Yehiyeh, there is no one else. No one else but me. Zachor Shabbos. Remember on Shabbos, when I make you to refrain from everything, remember I'm the one that sustains you. If I tell you no working, I will make sure to take care of it. These commandments remind us there's Hashkacha Pratis. Personal divine providence that guides our life here on earth. There's a wonderful, wonderful quote from Mark Twain. I remember hearing this back in Yeshiva days from JewishVirtualLibrary.org. Mark Twain goes to visit the Jews, talks about the Jews in 1897. The Jews are one quarter of one percent of the human race. They should be really lost among the people in society. But there's so many great contributions they gave to literature, science, art, music, finance, med- medicine, and so much learning out of proportion to the weakness of our numbers. He made a fight in the world in all those ages. He is the one that's here. The Jew is still here. The Egyptians, the Babylonians, and the Persians, they rose. They filled the planet with sound and splendor, but they faded. They're gone. They passed away. The Greeks and Romans followed. They made a vast noise, and they're gone. Other people have come up. They held their torch. The Nazis tried to take us out, but they're gone. They sit in the twilight now. Yamach Shemam to all of them who tried to fight us. But we, the Jews, have vanished. We, the, God forbid, the enemies of the Jews have vanished. Excuse me. We, the Jews, have survived. We, the Jews, have thrived. And we are here after thousands of thousands of years because the Jews saw them all. The Jews survived them all and is now what he always was with no decadence, no infirmities, no aging, no weakening of his parts, no slowing of energy, no dulling of his alert but aggressive mind. How is it possible that everything is mortal but the Jew? How is it possible everything passes but the Jew? What's the secret? I'll tell you the secret. The secret is Hashem's divine providence. Hashem's Hashem promises Way back in Avram's time that we will always be around. Even if we're trampled on like the sand of the, of the sea, we will still be here. And we'll lo- be lofty like the stars if we married him. But Hashem promises way back in the day, the Jewish people will always be around because they're under Hashem's direct hashgacha. They're under Hashem's direct control and Hashem's direct hashgacha practice. The Jewish people, point number 3C, the point to carry over. We as the Jews have extra special providence and protection from Hashem. Our whole history and existence is a miracle. Like the Shweki song, we are a miracle. Especially since every generation tries to wipe us out like we talk about at the Seder. And we survive, we always survive with Hashem's help. Mankind alone is directly under control of divine providence, especially the Jews pointed out by Rambam. The Rambam also points out, Again, if you have more intellect, if you have your perfect perception of Hashem, if your mind is never separated from Him, you'll have that influence of Hashem. If you turn your mind away from Hashem, then there will be less influence. Shmuel Aleph, Chana points this out in her Shir Chana, after having Shmuel, she longed for a son for so many years, and she has this beautiful, wonderful song. There are only ten songs in the course of Jewish history. One is supposed to be sung at the time of Mashiach, God willing, maybe soon in our days. But she talks about Hashem Orishu Ma'ashir Mashpil Af Meromeim. The Lord makes poor, the Lord makes rich. He casts down and He also lifts high. Because Hashem, point number four, Hashem is the cause of success in all, big or small. 
The Ebenezer points out that it's our purpose to perceive our capacity to receive the divine influence according to its nature, everyone according to their nature, as much as we think about Hashem. Derech Hashem also points out that providence pays attention in every fine detail to everything connected to you, to everything that precedes you, to everything that will follow you. Providence oversees all details of everything in the world, especially as part of your life. And the Kedas Yitzchak points out, Hashem doesn't wait until there's a problem. Hashem makes sure to take care of us before the problem comes. We're going to talk about it in a minute. Refuah before the Makkah. He always has constant concern. He always has constant supervision. And He always is constantly with us, taking care of us. Derach Hashem also points out that Hashem can change the rules of creation according to His will, however He deems fit. If He wants miracles and wonders, the great big ones, not the hidden ones that people think are weather and the like, which are still great miracles, but if He does things with different things, He could do it as He desires. It will be for the purpose of creation according to the time or the situation as He sees fit. Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar points out to the idea of Egypt. When we left Egypt, Hashem made these wonderful miracles showing His benevolent supervision, showing us how He punished one nation and saved another nation, and He took care of us in the desert, literally keeping us alive with all the different ways, with the clouds and getting rid of the snakes and giving us the food and the mud. Just remember what He did to Egypt. That's when His providence started way back before Egypt, but especially in Egypt also. And the Rambam points out that our ancestors saw such miracles on such a deep level. They saw God as both the one who ordered the heavens by creation and hidden miracles every day. And it wasn't taken granted for them. They saw miracles in everything. They were rescued from hunger, from death, from war and the sword. They were given wealth and respect. They were given a good life. They understood that everything depends on hidden miracles. And the Gemara Makos points out one of my, fam- one of my favorite, favorite phrases. We're going to read it in the Gemara. Amarabha ra rav huna. On the path which Hashem leads people, the Gemara cites a statement, one learns that along the path a person wishes to proceed, Hashem leads and assists him. On the path you want to go, Hashem is going to bring you. Make sure it's a good path. Make sure it's a wonderful path. Make sure it's a path Hashem would be proud of and all of us would be proud of you for. That brings us to our carryover point number five. Hashem is always around. Hashem is always watching. The way you want to go, He will lead you. Hopefully, on a good path. And then the Chovos HaVovos also points out, realize what Hashem does for us. What Hashem spares us of in the craziness of life. The news is called the news, which I think is, is crazy because of the crazy stories, the terrible stories. Half the time, the news should be called the bads because it's such terrible stories. I want there to be a news network called the goods. They only talk good stories, heartwarming stories, beautiful stories, good things. Unfortunately, not. But realize what Hashem does for us. So if we think about the news and the crazy stories, but there are millions and millions and millions of other people that Hashem every day is saving from suffering, is saving from disease, is saving from calamity, saving from imprisonment, hunger, thirst, cold, burning, poison, animals, leprosy, insanity, paralysis, and the list goes on. All the while we know that Hashem could do anything to us and He will be righteous in doing so. We should never, never, never know from bad things. We should never wish bad things upon us. But realize we're all more mere mortal beings that do bad things very often. We sin. Hashem could punish us if He wants, but He's such a benevolent Creator, such a wonderful King, that He takes care of us as much as we allow Him to do so. 
So we should be thankful and realize what Hashem does for us. He guides us every way with all of our systems and all of our bodies and all of our families and our friends. Craziness how much He does for us. And realize that Hashem is with us everywhere. As Boratius points out, when they're going down to Mitzrayim and Hashem talks to Yaakov, how He's going to go down to this very crazy Gullus. Also, Yaakov could have brought down, been brought down, the Medrash points out. Yaakov could have been brought down in shackles and chains, but Hashem didn't want that. Hashem wanted him to come down in a glorious manner. He let his son become the second in command and let him come down in a beautiful, dignified manner. He had this beautiful portion of Mitzrayim. His sons were shown before the government and his own son was in the government. But Hashem said to Yaakov, I'm going to bring you down in this way. I'm going to go down with you to Egypt. I myself will bring you back. Yosef will close your eyes so you don't have to worry about the future. That brings us to point number six. Hashem is with us wherever we go with whatever we do. Even in exile, even in Gullus. And the Chovas Havovs points out this fascinating story, craziness. You should look at the final outcome of hard experiences. Really crazy adverse events, really bad events. Turn out in the, what we think is bad. Turn out to, in the end to be our advantage and vice versa. We've talked about before, Gamzu Latova. Everything Hashem does is for the best. A story is told... Travelers were going on the way. They laid down near a wall to rest overnight. A dog came by, literally relieved himself on someone. That person probably was furious, was probably so, so, so angry. Why are you relieving yourself on me? What kind of degradation is this? But then the man awoke, got up to wash off the uncleanliness. After he had gone some distance from his fellows, the wall fell down on his companions and killed them. Loelena, while he alone escaped. Crazy. Hashem made him have the, the dog take him to be his instrument of salvation. Made him to be his instrument of the one that was going to save him. Made him to be the one that would be taken care of and be alive from this crazy situation. Which brings to mind the idea of the story we talked about Rabbi Akiva. He was traveling. The JewishGardens.com points out Rabbi Akiva was traveling with this candle, rooster, and donkey. He was studying at night. He wanted to study and he wanted to have his alarm clock to get him up. He wanted to have the one to carry his possessions. Nobody would give him lodging in the city. He went from house to house. Nobody would take care of him. But instead of getting angry, he said, Hashem, everything you do is for the best. Just like his teacher, Nachum Gamzu, taught him. What did he do? He went into the camp. He went into the woods. But a wind kicked out his candle. A lion stole his donkey, killed his donkey. The rooster was devoured by a cat. And Rabbi Akiva was then completely alone, completely stuck. But he said, whatever Hashem does is for the best. And then Rabbi Akiva realized what Hashem did is crazy Ashkacha. The band of robbers attacked the town, killed everyone there, took all of their money, and they went into the forest. If they had seen the candle, or they heard the rooster, or they saw the donkey, Rabbi Kiva would not have been alive. Hashem had saved his life with Hashkacha Pratis by extinguishing his candle and taking his animals. Fascinating what Hashem does throughout history and presently to take care of us. Gemara Sota points out everything Hashem does really preordained except for your Shemayim. Rav Yudah says what Rav says, a very famous Gemara, 40 days before an embryo is even formed, Hashem calls out, the voice calls out and says, this girl is going to marry this boy. This house is going to be inhabited by this person. This field is going to be given to this person. Every matter, including ma- marriage, is decreed for a person even before he is formed. Crazy Hashkacha from Hashem. 
David points out in Tehillim that literally this famous phrase from Hallel comes from Tehillim, who is like Hashem in heaven and earth. He raises the poor, lifts up the needy, and with the great men of the people, he takes care of, he gives the child to the childless woman, he makes happy those who don't have children, and he gives money to those who don't have it. Hashem literally taking care of every single person. This fascinating Gemara from Tanit, also one of my favorite Gemaras. Chad Beishim Shechazei Lebarte Dehave Atzivas. One time, Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa, a very famous great sage, saw his daughter was so sad. Amrli biti lamayat sivas. Why are you sad? Amrli lake klishel chomitz neschalif libe klishel shemed vehidlakti mimen or l'shabis. I confused vinegar and oil. Abba, I'm so sad. I lit the wrong thing for Shabbos. I lit the vinegar for Shabbos instead of lighting lighting the oil for Shabbos. I just ruined our Shabbos. Amrli biti. Mayach Patlach. Beatim, daughter, why are you so sad? Why are you so upset? Misha Amar Lashem and Viyidlok, whoever told oil to burn, who Yomar Lachom makes Viyidlok, he can tell the vinegar to burn. Tana, they explain in Abraisa, Mamish Hayadolik Vaholik, that's what happened. Kolayom Kulo Adshevi Mimenu Orla Havdala. Fascinating. Literally, the vinegar burned the entire day until they brought it from the light for Abdullah. Because that's the point. Hashem is in charge of all. It doesn't matter if it's a wick. doesn't matter if it's a candle. doesn't matter if it's vinegar. doesn't matter if it's oil. Hashem can do anything. He controls everything. He can make oil or vinegar burn. It doesn't matter. His providence relates to those who see Him, to those who want Him ever present in their life. He can make anything happen to anyone. And their rabbanan explain... I feel a devarm shata rotsa osan jahenya serab olam. Even things that are nuisances to you, things that bother you, things that seem that are extra in the world, there's nothing extra in the world. Everything has its 15 minutes, everything has its time. Perkelvis explains the yesh kol sha'av, yesh kol makom. Those are not the exact words, but everything has its time, everything has its place. Even flies, zivuvim, parosh, miyachu, and different insects. Afen mechal biyosu sha'olam, mevukal akadosh, baruchu osishlichoto. People have performed Mitzrayim would have thought, what in the world is the point of a frog? But look at what happened in Mitzrayim. The frogs were very important. That was one of the, the breaking down of the resistance of Paro, the second, the second Makkah showing the power of Hashem to decimate the whole Mitzrayim. And, and anything can be done with anything. Miracles, you have to realize that they can occur when they occur, and it's all because of Ashkachan's divine providence. Hashem brings out the attribute of justice and the mitzvah of Hirachman, depending on when He wants it, depending on the events, depending on how Hashem supervises the creations and what He wants to happen. Because He's the manager, He, de- he detains actions and different things in life to make sure that they happen because every person point number eight and every creature has its purpose ordained by Hashem in his providence think about David and Melch and Shaul such a complicated terrible story of how they related to one another Shaul had this crazy condition this melancholia had this depression he wanted to kill his own son-in-law David his daughters didn't agree with him his son didn't agree with him but he still had this rage he was his heart player he was groomed to take over for him he was so upset Shaul at David he tried to kill him more than one time. But David Amalek had times said he could have killed Shaul, but he didn't. One time when Shaul was chasing David, he saw him at the cave, and he saw that a spider wove a web. Usually it takes a while for a spider to weave a web in a cave to show that there's no inhabitants there. It hasn't been looked at in a long time, used in a long time. But for David, Hashem wove the spider to make the web right in a very short time, and and Shaul sees this and moves away, saving David's life, because how could David be here? There's a spider weaving a web in this cave. 
Think about Yosef. Yosef's whole life coming to Paro was a miraculous divine providence for sure, all in all, in all cases. The Svara points out, right when he's thrown into the pit, the Pasuk tells us, for Why would the Pasuk tell us twice? If the pit is empty, of course it has no water. Rashi points out, Whatever the words are, the pit is empty, it has no water, but it has snakes, it has poisonous creatures, and even so, Hashem took care of Moshe to not be killed, excuse me, took care of Yosef to not be killed, and then they hurried him out of the pit. When the caravan came, they came to rescue him. Do you know what the caravan usually had? I think Rashi also points out, when Yaakov sends down the sons to go get stuff from Mitzrayim to get provisions, he says to them exactly word for word what the caravan was holding because it wasn't found in Mitzrayim, but it was found in, in Israel. These delicacies, these different herbs, these different spices were only found in Israel at the time. But Hashem arranged a set of nasty tar or foul-smelling oil or foul-smelling fats that would have ruined the journey quote-unquote, for Yosef, Hashem arranged it, I think pointed out by the Medrash Rashi sages, that it was a beautiful ride for Yosef, such a sweet-smelling ride, it had spices like cinnamon, so that at least the journey down to Mitzrayim would be nice for him. Hashem intervened in a miraculous deliverance, quick way, he was thrown out of the pit, taken out of the pit, sent into the caravan, and sent away. Very quickly it happened. When he was in the Potiphar's house, he was successful because of divine providence. He became the head of the household, even though he was a cursed slave, and he was there entrusted with the whole house because of divine providence. And his master saw that divine providence was with him. He was put in charge, even in jail, when he was put in the lowest place in the society. He was put in the dungeons. There weren't jails like nowadays. There were literally pits, literally disgusting conditions. But he was put in charge. And then the baker and the wine bear were arranged by Hashem that the whole Mitzrayim was talking about Yosef for years. It was nine years later, ten years later, and they still were talking about Yosef. It was so scandalous that this Hebrew slave did such a thing, which of course didn't happen. For the sake of Yosef, it was ordained that he should put them in prison before they were executed. Hashem made the wrath of the king happen to have other people sent into jail so that the dreams could be told to Yosef, so they would be the instruments of his deliverance from prison. And because of that, he was taken and he was able to take the dreams and interpret them and become the viceroy of the whole Egypt, leading the way for the Jews to come down. Because number nine point, when we realize Hashem is with us wherever we go, with whatever we do, He could have given up. Yosef could have think, thought that it was all over, but he saw Hashem was always with him. Then we can accomplish and be successful at anything. Those who put their trust in man are cursed. You have to only put your trust in Hashem, the Mishnah Torah points out. The Rama points out elsewhere that when you put your rational thought in the control of the divine providence, you realize that Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov all had divine providence in all of their life. We realize that it extends to mankind. If we see him, then we will feel it also because Hashem is always watching over us, pointed out by Ramam also. And he always gives us blessings. He always wants us to have it. If we prepare ourselves, we can get it. And the Sefer Karm also points out that when you have that intellect, you have that ability to understand that Hashem is there, you realize intellectually that He's there, and you try to let Him in, then you will see that you can perfect your soul, you'll see that Hashem is there, you'll see the Divine Providence everywhere. And the level of the individual is the, and the well of the community, that and the entire nation, Hashem is there, pointed out by the Babylon Tony. Talmud introduction. Human action is scrutinized by Hashem. Human action is governed by Hashem. The Kedah Yitzchak also points out 
just to get the, the Torah was to give us the way to connect to Hashem. By seeing all the ways that Hashem wants us to live, we could feel Hashem and take care of our community, the nation, to live our lives harmoniously with Him. Brings us to point number 10. If we let Hashem in and realize that He controls everything, we can attain greater blessings and protection from bad. The more we let Him in, the more He helps us. And now we're going to look at the land of Israel a little bit. The famous Pasuk from Devarim, Eretz Asher Tamid, Enei Hashem Elokecha Bamereshit Hashana V'yadacharit Hashana. This land, the land of Israel, is the land that Hashem looks after the entire lifespan from every year from beginning to end. Hashem is always watching it. The Sefer Amida points out, through settling the land of Israel, one perceives divine providence over the entire world. Rav Salvechuk points out, the whole idea of the creation of the modern day state of Israel was no less than divine providence. The United Nations, that crazy organization that has so many, so many things against us, so many writings against the Jews, against Israel, was probably inclined to believe, according to Rav Salvation, that their main purpose was created literally in divine providence just for the sake of fulfilling the mission that divine providence had upon it. He couldn't think of any other example when everyone unanimously agreed to let the Jews have something, to let Israel have something. They allowed them to have in 47 the creation of the state of Israel and they literally saw the true chairman who conducted their proceedings, the beloved Hashem. That's why it was probably created the United Nations just so for the fact that divine providence could allow Israel to come about and then be declared by Ben-Gurion in 48. And then if you look at Likutei Halachot, they explain that the exile was, was explained, it's an aspect of divine providence. The essence of knowledge is the aspect of divine providence. Divine providence is the aspect of the land of Israel. Hashem is always looking at the land of Israel. Interestingly, by the Miraglim, Hashem points out, the land you're entering can't be irrigated because it is mountainous. It needs to be irrigated so many times because the water flows down the mountain, doesn't saturate the land like by Mitzrayim. Therefore, Eretz Yisrael Israel doesn't grow crops naturally, but only through divine providence, supernaturally. This statement praises Israel, which is sustained by miracles, even though natural, quote-unquote, means is not as good or, or, or was as Mitzrayim, but Hashem points out, Rashi explains that it's not derogatory, it's by describing its quote-unquote inferiority, the land's praiseworthiness is revealed, because the more you toil at Israel, the more you become attached to it. The Gemara explains three things are nicknames Yisurin. I don't remember all of them, but one of them is Israel. Israel is acquired through such Yisurin, through such suffering. Just look at all the wars, all the terrorism, all the people against us, all the, the difficulty, the sweat of the brow that had to go into years of cultivating the land. It literally went from a desert to blooming, went from a desert to grass. What a crazy miracle, only because of the Jews. Because before the Jews came, there was nothing. It was desolate. Mark Twain points out in JewishVirtualLibrary.org a famous phrase in 1867. I don't understand why everybody loves to talk about the land of Israel. This country is desolate in 1867. The soil is rich enough, but there are weeds. It's a mournful expanse. It's desolation. Imagination cannot grace with the pomp of life and action. There was never a human being on the whole route. There was no trees. There was no shrubs. The olives and the cactus, they were worthless soil. The whole country was deserted. But look what happened when Hashem allowed through divine providence the Jewish people to come back. 
That's when the desert bloomed. That's when Israel really came back. And Gemara Kasuvis even points out that Hashem is really only connected to us, fully connected to us, really is our Hashem when we live in the land. When we live in the land of Israel, that's when we really have Hashem. That's when we really have our Hashem. If we live outside the land on some level, it's as if we're not fully with Hashem. Because that's not where we're supposed to be. We're all supposed to end up in Israel. May it be speedily in our days with the coming of Mashiach. As fast as we could get there is the best possible. I always say a part, a heart, part of my heart feels missing because we're not living there. But God willing, one day... My wife and I and our kids will get there, will live there, because that's the best place to be, the most wonderful place to be. When I was there, it felt home. When we visited there, when I studied there, it felt so right. It felt so home. It wasn't gullus in any sense. So we got to get there whenever we can. There's greater countenance, point 10b, more easily seen in the land of Israel. Hashem's chosen land for us. We should try to live there when we can. We will feel and see greater divine providence than the lands of exile. Especially how it was reestablished, especially how it was recreated in modern times. And the Kuzari points out the first of the Ten Commandments is divine providence. Hashem uses, uses His divine providence where He sees fit to harden Paro's heart, to show all the makos, to show how He rules the world, especially back in the Egyptian times. David expresses joy. In the Machzor points out that divine providence of God is in every aspect of the world, in every aspect of the affairs of man. We see through the laws of nature and perceive that it's really the divine order, it's really the providence of Hashem. That Mekshela also points out, if you serve Hashem properly, you will see the divine providence, you'll see how the mitzvahs are for the sake of heaven, you'll see how the mitzvahs cultivate a holy and distinctive nation which divine providence can manifest ourselves through nature. Now the Eif Abad is all over the Haggadah, he has a whole Pesach Haggadah, he says a lot of crazy cool things. We're going to point out a couple them. So the Makos, that they realized that Hashem's existence was around in His attributes, that He had divine providence controlling the world, and He's the God of Israel, expressing His belief in divine providence, understanding that Hashem watches over us, proving existence of God, proving divine providence, and proving that Hashem is all-powerful. And the miracles in Egypt come to uproot the lack of faith in divine providence. They sign and they prove that Hashem is the creator of world and divine providence in the world. Matzah proves to us when we wrap off the matzah, the cloth at the Seder, it's the divine acts of providence that are hidden. And the divine providence, Israel is able to attain another perfection, physical perfection, to get the providence of Hashem in the wilderness, and then to be able to cultivate the land when they had it in Yeshua's time. Then you also come to recognize divine providence is on everything, good and bad. Pesach shows out the offering that since Hashem passed over the houses but struck the Egyptian households, Hashem knew where the firstborn was, knew which person had to be taken, knew where he had to go. Zevach Pesach points out that Hashem did the 10th plague, no messenger, because he, in his divine providence, wanted to make sure that it was done in the best way, in the proper way. It was a very sad mockery that a lot of people had to die, but Hashem was the one that did it. No man bruises his finger on earth unless Hashem does it. The plagues came to enlighten, Malbin points out, about divine providence. Hashem clarifies there was no need for intermediaries because He watches the world, accomplishes everything. Every incident in the lives of the patriarchs and in our lives, their occupations, their passions were all divine providence. Think about the story of Yehuda and Tamar, which we might point out in a little bit. And think about the whole story of Purim. The whole story of Purim from Flames of Faith is divine providence. The whole idea... Mordechai overhears the plot against Ahasuerush and, and tie, the whole tie turns into the favor of the Jews. Esther was chosen out of anybody. Do you know the Gemara points out that she was actually green? She had green skin, but still Ahasuerush was taken to her, was keen with her, and she was the instrument of salvation because she interceded on the Jews' behalf. 
That's the whole idea of Purim. And the contemporary halacha problems points out when you deceive the divine providence, you recognize that all enveloping nature of Hashem guides your daily life, but your very existence. So point number 11 and 12, Hashem is intimately involved, controls every aspect of our lives, not just some parts. Although Hashem's intervention may be hidden or concealed, like in the Purim story, it's always there if we look closely enough. The whole idea of keeping Shabbos testifies that we believe Hashem will take care of us even if we can't work, even if we can't make sure to make it to the office because Hashem needs us at home, needs us to do the Shabbos, as Malvin points out. Number 13, we point out the full faith in the fact that Hashem controls everything, even money, allowing us with full faith to not work on Shabbos or Shemitah and to not worry. Again, Yeremiah points out, only put your faith in Hashem. Do not trust in man. Cursed is he who trusts in man and not heeding Hashem's providence. Only put your faith, number 14, and trust in Hashem. No one else, man cannot really be trusted to come through. Pekelvis points out, don't befriend the government because they only befriend you for their own needs. They only use you and, and take you for what they need at their times. They'll throw you to the side when they don't need you anymore. Shmir Alashim points out, Yehud and Tamar episode. From here we learn and from another story later, it's better to be thrown into a fire than to make someone embarrassed in public. Tamar was willing to be thrown into the fire if Yehuda didn't own up to the items that he sent her when he was with her. But the whole idea that Yehuda was with Tamar, this great, great, great Jew, Yehuda, one of the 12 Shvatim, was with this... Zona was with Tamar, who dressed up as her, but it was the greatness of the lovingness of Hashem. Tamar knew in some way she had to have children and the kings would come from her. But still, she did it in such a way, Hashem orchestrated in such a way, that he had to be with her and he had to have children through her. And then he realized that it's all from her, but then really a heavenly voice came forth and said, it's really from me, these secret things. The whole idea of this episode is divine providence. Inside the Tzfilin, we learn and we see about unity, reward, punishment, and the remembrance of the exodus from Egypt because they furnish the proof that divine influence is with the mankind and Hashem watches us and keeps record of our deeds. Even something as simple as someone being next to you is also divine providence. Baba Basra points out, Rav came to Ashir just to comfort the lecturer. To comfort him, Rav read the following verse, I, the Lord, will hasten its time. As if to say it was due to divine providence that I was here to correct you before your mistaken ruling. We are placed, number 15, at certain places at the exact right time where we need to be to be there at the exact right time we need to be there. The Kedas Yitzchak also points out that the mezuzah points out the divine instructions and personal divine providence. If you have the mezuzah, mezuzah is like a guard, is like a shield for you, is like an alarm for your whole house. The different pesukim in the mezuzah attest to the fact that Hashem is one and Hashem controls and protects everyone and everything. The whole idea of the spies in Bamidbar, in the, in the Midbar dying, was evident that it was divine providence, not a random event. And it also shows the Sefer Ikarim that everything comes through divine providence. Any evil that comes to man also is divine providence because everything from Hashem is good. Nothing is evil from Hashem. We just have to figure out what it is. Again, from Eov, we talked about before, all evil that comes to the righteous is due to divine providence. We should realize, as Shara Muna points out, Hashem runs the world at every moment, imagining his, and managing His creation with divine providence. Every second of existence, Hashem gives life and existence to all worlds and to all forces that are created. Hashem runs the world from the supreme realm to all the, the metaphorical realms, to every realm. Hashem gives life and existence to everyone, everywhere, but gives us free will, which we exercise. Because Hashem, number 16, is involved with us in everything, good or bad, even seemingly bad times, like nowadays, Corona times. 
And then in the center we talk about different verses that are in our prayers because we talk about Hashem's majesty, His providence, that He gives us power and riches and might and honor of all humans. Lekutim Aran, this is special for Eliezer G. Shout out for you. This is our greatness that Hashem hears our prayers and changes the natural orders by means of His divine providence from Rabbi Nachman. The contemporary Allah problems points out there are events in our lives irrespective of morality or immorality are harnessed by Hashem, utilized by Him as instruments of divine providence. And Hashem again tells Moshe over and over, go to borrow, I'm going to harden his heart, but it's all because I want to prove to you my divine providence. I want to prove to you that it's all from me. I want to show my signs to all the Jews and to the whole world. Point number 17, Hashem can utilize us as messengers for His providence to do good or bad. We should make sure to be His messengers to be in the right time and the right place at the right moment to hope and help and not hurt others. The Shulchan Sha'arba points out, every time you have a blessing, if you say a blessing, you bear witness to the wonderful providence Hashem does for us. In the olden days, so much, so much, so much work had to be done for food. Nowadays, we go to supermarkets, there are thousands of things we can order by email. We can show up to our local supermarket, get whatever we want, all because of Hashem looking out for things, making things so wonderful, and looking at Hashem making technology so wonderful nowadays, especially in Corona times. Imagine if it wasn't like these times. And even Eliezer, the servant of Avram, when he's looking for Rivka, Divine Providence had it that as he was literally davening, before he finished his davening, Hashem already sent Rivka on the way. He knew that everything was direct providence when he was davening, that the, she had an excellent character. She already was there. He already was about to meet her. When he davened, she was already on the way. Because point number 18, many times Hashem brings the refuah before the makkah, a solution before the problem, a cure before the disease. Like by Eliezer the servant, his answer to the prayer almost before he even asked. Even in current crazy corona times, Hashem designed technology to have leaps and bounds before he brought corona. I could never have done this year. A hundred years ago to the masses at the large if they wanted to join us virtually Actually, Hashem designed technology to have smartphones, technology in a leaps and bounds in a beautiful way for Zoom, Google Meet, deliveries, cars, etc. Imagine if it happened a hundred years ago. The Spanish flu a hundred years ago was much more devastating in different ways, much more t- horrific in different ways. It was a totally different di- time period. Divine Providence also took care of Yitzchak to realize that he didn't have the difficulties in his father's life and he didn't have the difficulties in his son's life. He had some difficulties pointed out in the Torah, but he wasn't in the same situation as his dad or his son, and that was because Hashem designed it to be so. King David and Bathsheba also were intended mates, but uh, King David did it in a certain way that was seen to be premature, but he, has to wait. he was supposed to wait for divine providence to unroll. We're supposed to wait for Hashem to do the divine providence to have things unroll. That's why we have to be careful to use the proper hishtadlis to allow divine providence to occur and not be hasty or try to get Hashem's help in unsavory manners. wanted to point out these fascinating prakim from Daniel. Pure miracles, pure divine providence. Darius was the king at the time and Daniel was a government officer in the government at the time of Darius. They technically had a good relationship, but Darius made a decree that really you should only bow and, and, and daven, quote-unquote, lahavda, 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 pray to the king of the time. But people were infirmers, people were rats, even back in those days, and they informed on Daniel, because he would daven, he, spoke, he speaks about on Daniel how he would face Yerushalayim, he was in Bavel, he would face Yerushalayim and pray three times a day to Hashem. And Darius's men know this, and they inform on Daniel, but because of the decree, even though Darius likes Daniel, and is happy with Daniel, and Daniel pointed out these crazy things like the writing on the wall, he still has to throw him into the lion's den. What a crazy thing. He threw him in, and the, the king was very sad. I gave you the whole text here. But he was very sad to have to throw him into the den. 
And he said, Daniel, he comes to him the next day and he hopes that Daniel's around. He doesn't know how. But he goes to Daniel and he asks him, did Hashem save you? Did he deliver you from the lions? Daniel then says, yes, my God sent his angel who shut the mouths of the lions in the lion's den. Even though they were so hungry, they would not kill me because I was innocent by him, nor I've done you any injury. The king was so glad. It was a huge kid Hashem. He took Daniel out of the den. Daniel was brought out and had no injury on him whatsoever for he trusted in Hashem. And then the king ordered those informers to be thrown into the den and they were crushed and killed the second they were not even all the way down. Makes you wonder why he couldn't save Daniel to begin with, but whatever, that's for another time. And then Daniel's three friends, Hanani, Mishal, and Azariah, who are identified as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Nebuchadnezzar, the terrible Nebuchadnezzar, responsible for the destruction of Yerushalayim, destruction of the temple. And he wanted everyone to bow down to a visage, to an idol. And it was under his royal decree. And anyone who didn't do it would be thrown into a fiery furnace. But these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, would not do that. They would not bow down. So, so Nebuchadnezzar heated up the flame five, seven times as hard as usual. Seven times as difficult. Seven times as intense as usual. Bound them and put them into the furnace. And then... He doesn't believe it, but in front of his eyes, they are not hurt at all, and they're not even bound. The, the, the king's men answer, we look at the furnace, we see four men walking about unbound and unharmed in the fire. The fourth looks like a divine being. Hashem sent an angel to unbound the four, the three men and to save their lives to do a Kiddush Hashem. Nebuchadnezzar, even the evil Nebuchadnezzar, realized what happened. He took him out. He realized they were servants of the Most High God. He came out and he even blessed them. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who sent his angel to serve them. Can you imagine crazy divine providence involved? And the antiquities of the Jews points out his three friends didn't worry about the pain of fiery death. They didn't bow even on the pain of death. This brings to mind the idea of Mordechai. Even though Haman made everyone bow down, he refused to bow down. Even though the whole fate of the Jews was because of this on some level. And Mordechai did not do this. And he got everyone together. He realized what to do. But you have to do what you need to do for Hashem. These men were convicted. They were cast into the fire, but were saved by divine providence. Saved by Hashem. After a surprising manner, they escaped death for the fire did not touch them. And this brings to mind to me the idea, the story from Kasuva. It's a fascinating story. Marukva and his wife. We talked about this before, but we have the text here in front of you. Were charity donors. They would give out charity. They would collect and give out charity. He was accustomed to give it to four dinners to a certain poor person. But one day the poor person wanted to know who was giving him the service. But Marukva was doing charity in the highest level possible, right under giving a person a job to be self-sufficient. The highest level, according to the Rambam, besides for that job thing, is being anonymous. You giving anonymously, and the person receiving anonymously. And Marukva and his wife wanted to do that. But this guy wanted to see what was going on. So one day they were delayed. His wife came with him to distribute. The poor person saw someone was at the door, and he ran after them to see who it was. Marukva and his wife did not want to reveal their identity. They ran away before him and the first thing they could find to run into was a certain furnace whose fire was already raked over and tempered but burning. And they emerged without being harmed except for a little aspect of Marukva's legs that was singed and his wife said to him, why are your legs being singed? Come on my legs which are not burned. Why was it that his le her legs were not burned but he was? Because she was always found inside the house giving charity. Tzedakah tatsil mimaves is the famous phrase. Tzedakah charity saves from death. And she wasn't burned because she gave assistance ready and immediately and distributed food items. But he did it, but not as readily helpful, not as fast as Mar Ukva. Psachim also points out, one of our last things to point out, 
Rabbi Lazar pointed out that those on the path to perform a mitzvah are not susceptible to harm throughout the process of performing the mitzvah. That comes to our second to last point. If you stand up for your beliefs, you uphold the sanctity of the Torah and mitzvahs, being involved in the mitzvahs, often Hashem will give His providence to guide you on the way and save you. And then the Akedah points out, you shouldn't even worry about the future. God promises Yaakov that he will indeed survive the journey. He will see Yosef in Mitzrayim and that the Jewish people will be redeemed one day. And ya- Yaakov is given an assurance that his future fate is governed by Hashem, by divine providence. He wouldn't have to worry. Rav Hirsch also points out that even in the Midbar, the, the Israelites didn't have to worry about suffering from the serpents because Hashem protected them throughout the journey. Hashem always protects us throughout the journeys if we just open our minds, open our hearts, and open our surroundings and realize that we're not hazardous, we're not on our own. Because when we realize that all is controlled by Hashem, our last point, with His wonderful providence, there is no need to worry about anything, especially in the future. Now we're just going to wrap up our points here. Stay, thanks for staying with us. Number one, Hashem isn't only concerned with big events or big important people. Hashem is involved with each and every person, deals with every little thing, even seemingly trivial. Hashem gives you, number two, exactly what you need. If He wanted you to have a mansion, you would have a mansion. Be happy with your lot, like Pirkei points out, because that is exactly what is right for you, decreed by Hashem. Point number three A, it's fundamental that Hashem watches out for us in every way. The more we see Him, the more we will feel Him. 3B, we all have a divine spark of Pentaliyid and Telamel Kim and all of us. If we are alive, by definition, it means we are important and worthy of being around with the mission Hashem wants us to do. Find your purpose and mission Hashem will guide you. As long as the candle is still burning, there is still work that can be done, especially on your neshama, especially in your life. 3C, the Jewish people. We as the Jews have extra special providence and protection from Hashem. Our whole history and existence is a miracle, especially since every generation tries to rise up and wipe us out. But we survive. Number four, Hashem is the cause of success in everything, big or small. Five, again, Hashem is always around and always watching. The way you want to go, He will lead you. Hopefully a good path. Number six, Hashem is with us wherever we go, without whatever we do, even in exile in Gaulus. Number seven, Hashem is in charge of all. He can do anything and controls everything, even making oil or vinegar burn if He wants it to. Number eight, every person and every creature has its purpose ordained by Hashem in His providence. Think of the spider in David HaMelech. Number nine, when we realize Hashem is with us wherever we go, without whatever we do, we can accomplish and be successful in anything. If we let Hashem in, number 10, and realize He controls everything, we can attain greater blessings and protection from bad. The more we let Him in, the more He helps us. 10b, the greater countenance is more easily seen in the land of Israel. Hashem's chosen land for us. If we try to live there, we will feel great. We will feel and see greater divine divine providence in the lands of exile, especially how it's reestablished and recreated in the modern times. 11, Hashem is intimately involved and controls every aspect of our lives, not just some parts. 12, Hashem's intervention may be hidden or concealed like by Purim, but it's always there if we look closely enough. 13, only put your complete faith and trust in Hashem as man cannot really be trusted to come through. 14. Put full faith in the fact that Hashem controls everything, even money, allowing us to not work on Shabbos or Shemitah and not worry. 15. We're also placed at certain places the exact times we need to be there. 16. Hashem is with us in everything, good or bad, even in the seemingly bad things like Corona times. 17. Hashem can utilize us as messengers for providence to do good or bad. We should make sure to be His messengers to be in the right time and the right place at the right moment to hope and help and not hurt others. 18. Many times Hashem brings a refuah before the makkah, a solution before the problem, a cure before the disease. Like by Eliezer the servant in current, current crazy corona times, Hashem gave us great technology to have leaps and bounds before He brought corona. 
19. Have to be careful to use proper shtalas to allow divine providence to occur and not be hasty or try to get Hashem's help in unsavory matters. 20. If you stand up for your beliefs and uphold the sanctity of the Torah and mitzvot, being involved in mitzvot, often Hashem will give His providence to guide you on the way and save you. Lastly, when we realize all is controlled by Hashem with His wonderful providence, there's no need to worry about anything, especially the future. Again, thank you for joining us. We will be back, God willing, in two weeks at 8.30. All my shirim are at shirimenjoyment.com. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time here on the bi-weekly lecture series with Reb T.